Oh, beautiful choir. Thank you so much. What, what a way to prepare us for all that God has to say. We are beginning a three-sermon series that will last the remainder of the month on baptism. Uh, it is baptism of the Lord. This is the time of the year when we remember our vows. And so uh, this week, or each of the three weeks, we will focus on one of the three major baptismal vows that each of us took, uh, or took, was taken on our behalf at our baptism. Uh, so the three sermons will be repent, resist, and confess. And today we do repent, but bear with me, it might not be what you think. <laughs> our text is Matthew chapter 4, verses 12 through 23. You can find it on the New Testament in your pew Bibles on page 3. Matthew 4, verses 12 through 23. Now when Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew to Galilee. He left Nazareth and made his home in Capernaum by the sea, in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, so that what had been spoken through the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled, land of Zebulun, land of Naphtali, on the road by the sea across the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light, for those who sit in the region in shadow of death, light is dawned. From that time, Jesus began to proclaim, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. As he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fish for, the, for people. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, in the boat with their father Zebedee, mending their nets. And he called to them. Immediately they left the boat and, and their father and followed him. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness among the people. The word of God for the people of God. Be God. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, help us to turn our lives today towards you, that along with Peter and James and John and Andrew, we might also be disciples. Lord, I ask that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. Repent! How often have we heard it used as an attack, a weapon against those people with whom we disagree? Repent, you evildoers. Be like us. Uh, I'm reminded of when I was in college here at UA. One day I was walking back to my dorm. I passed by the Ferguson Center. And in the 80s, at least, they had an outdoor lectern set up outside the Ferguson Center so that anybody who had something that they needed to blurt out to the whole crowd had a place to do it. On this particular afternoon, I walked by and there was a, uh, a, very, uh, a very aggressive young preacher who had taken to the platform, and I stopped to hear what he was saying, uh, and he was uh, shouting angrily at all of us, uh, calling us out for all of our sin. Well, we were undergrads at UA. They probably had a few to pick from. 
And so he gathered an audience. There was a good crowd listening as he berated us for all of the things that we had done wrong and was telling us that we better get it right. We better repent or we were going to burn. The way that he preached his message gave me the impression he was hoping for the burn part. Uh, as I walked away, even though I was a Christian considering ministry at that point, I was saying, boy, I feel more abused than loved. I feel more attacked than welcomed. <clears throat> Most of us don't uh, get that extreme, do we? Most of us don't attack people so openly as this young, ambitious preacher. But it's an easy temptation for any of us to fall into to use that idea of repentance as an attack on the other folks. I've done it more times than I will share with you this morning for sure. Uh, when I was in high school, I disliked the party crowd. Uh, I was kind of the church kid. Uh, they had other names for me, but we'll go with that. Uh, I, was, I was the church kid. I didn't like all those wild partiers. And so uh, I was convinced they need to repent. They need to get right. Be more like me. Uh, it completely slipped by me as I read the Gospels that Jesus most often was hanging out with the party crowd. He was at those parties. I would have been fussing at Jesus, okay? Because that's where he was. But that's kind of the way that we believers sometimes, maybe not you, maybe... But we believers sometimes fall into this temptation of wanting to point a finger at somebody else as the problem. They need to get it right. Right? Now, it's really kind of a comfortable position for us if we can get into it. If you can get into that mindset, it's easy to be here. Because, see, in this approach to repentance, uh, we can kind of sit back and choose who we don't like. And then we can search through the scriptures and figure out somehow that God doesn't like them too. And then we can say they are the ones that need to change. It's a way to insulate ourselves from what God needs to do in our hearts. Uh, we do it, some of us do it far too often. I, uh, I used to have a thing about people getting tattoos. Uh, it might be because I don't want tattoos, but my real reason I don't want tattoos is because I don't like needles. Uh, but other people would have tattoos, and so I, dug, I found that verse that says something about tattoos. So, nope, they're being evil. They need to repent. We want to blame it on the other person, right? I've gotten past it, by the way. Now I've got a, I've got a friend who has quite a few tats, and, and she is... She is very much a believer in Christ. And when people criticize her, she's, they say, Don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? She said, Yep, and my temple has stained glass windows. <laughs> I'm not telling you to go get a tattoo. I'm not telling you not to. My point is that when we decide who we don't like and then twist the Bible to prove that God agrees with us, then we begin to use repentance as a weapon against the folks we think are wrong. And we fail to have the heart change we need. Uh, 
Melody and Zach and I have a few hundred colleagues in the North Alabama Conference. I spent a lot of my career convinced that most of them needed to repent. Because <laughs> they believed the wrong things. And I knew that because I believed the right things. You know? When we use repentance to direct it at somebody else, it becomes a weapon to try to get them to conform to what we want. And that's a problem. And it's actually a problem that prevents heart change in our lives. If the other guy has the problem, why in the world should I change? And so as we consider our baptismal vows uh, this month, I want to start off by saying that uh, for us Christians, for all of us who have been baptized, if repentance is so good, why don't we do more of it? If repentance is the Jesus message, then why don't we follow it? Because you see, repentance uh, at its core really is not an attack. It's an invitation. When Jesus said, repent for the kingdom's coming near, he wasn't threatening people. He was inviting them. The, the word repent in the Greek is metanoia. It's a compound word that literally means change of mind. But it carries with it a connotation of change in behavior as well. We might call it a heart change. But this idea of metanoia is to change your thinking and your behavior into a new way of thinking and a new behavior. When Jesus said to them and when he says to us, repent, he's not attacking who we are. He said, turn around and be this way. Change your thinking. Change your behavior. It's an invitation to a new way of life. There, it's not an accident that Matthew put the story together the way that he did. The, the biblical writers tell stories for a purpose, and when they put stuff side by side, there's a reason for it. Jesus announces this message, repent for the kingdom of God has come near. And then Matthew begins to tell the story of the calling of Peter and Andrew and James and John. Well, if, if you miss that in the text, that story explains repentance. And I missed that for a long time because Peter and uh, the, the guys don't seem to be doing anything wrong. They aren't out partying. They're not getting tattoos. They aren't getting piercings and all the other stuff that we get all obsessed over. They're hanging out doing, doing their job, helping their daddy do the family business. But what happens? Jesus comes up and he sees them. And he says, come with me, and I'll make you fish for people. What happens? They hear the call. They hear Jesus' words. They trust Jesus, and they get up and follow. They repent. They repent of who they were and turn towards who Christ is calling them to be. It's not that being in the family business was evil, but it wasn't their calling. It wasn't where God wanted them to be. And so Jesus says to the guys, let's go, follow me. And they trust him. And they reorient their lives and they follow. And that's what happens when we repent. No matter what it is that we're doing, if, we're living, if we are living some kind of e evil, uh, hurtful lifestyle, when we, hear, when we encounter Christ, we hear his call, we trust him, and we turn our lives towards him, 
That's repentance. It's a change of the way we think and a change in our behavior. We're invited into new life. It's a wonderful, life-giving invitation, not a threat. So what are we, uh, from what are we repenting exactly? I, this is the big question for me as a kid growing up. I wanted a list. You know, God, give me a rule list. And let me make sure that I'm ticking off all the boxes. Uh, or at least I'm doing a really good job of hiding the stuff I'm not ticking. So that I look good anyway. Right? <laughs> That's kind of the way we approach this idea of holy living sometimes. But what is it really that we have to repent of? At its root, the, the greatest commandment, according to Jesus, the absolute greatest commandment is to love God with all that is within us and to love our neighbor as ourself. Now, the word that's used there for love in the Greek is agape. It's a word that means unconditional love, a love that we can't earn, that we don't get more of when we behave. We don't lose that love when we misbehave. It is an unconditional, all-encompassing love. So Jesus says, love God completely and unconditionally. Love neighbor completely and unconditionally. And so I would suggest to you that what we repent of is the failure to love. Now, in the baptismal vow, it goes like this. Uh, do you resist the evil powers of this world, and do you resist wickedness? And Well, everybody gets on board with that, right? Yeah. I have never heard anybody say, well, I am choosing to align with wickedness and evil. <laughs> Nobody consciously makes that choice. It's much more subtle. It's a failure to love unconditionally God and to love and to unconditionally love others. The irony in the way we normally approach repentance is sometimes we focus so much on this uh, on this set of rules that I can say, well, I'm following the rules and they're not, so I can claim that I'm righteous because I'm following them and I can claim that they're not and I can actually carve out a little room to hate them or to despise them or to reject them because of my righteousness. That's pharisaical righteousness. That's what Paul said is a righteousness that is no better than filthy rags. In reality, if I'm following Christ, I have no room to despise the other because Christ loves the other. Let me put it like this. I've got three kids. A lot of y'all are parents of more than one child. I know that your kids get together, get along perfectly all the time. No arguing in your families. My kids fight. Uh, I've had to pull a couple of them off each other more than once. They get mad at each other. What do you think daddy's rooting for? I'm rooting for peace. For my, I, I want my kids to love one another. And when our Heavenly Father looks at us and he sees all of our fights and we're convinced we're right and they're wrong and we want to go to blows over it, our Heavenly Father is praying for peace. Can you learn to love one another? 
And so from what is it that we repent our failure to love? I've spent a lot of time in my prayer time this week going over the people that I've not loved as I should have. Lord, help me do better. But repentance is not just turning away from. It is turning away from loveless ways, but it is also turning towards something. So what is it that we're turning towards? Well, pretty obviously, we're turning towards a way of love. To where we put God first in all that we do, to where our love for God is paramount, and to where we have a sacrificial love for one another. That we actually, as the Apostle Paul encourages us, to treat one another as more important than ourselves, to build one another up in Christian love. That's what we're called to turn towards. Uh, few years ago, in fact, my first year when I was here, uh, a mom from my last church called me up one afternoon and said that her little boy, uh, Trevor, was probably about five or six at the time. Trevor was asking some questions about what it meant to be a Christian. And they didn't really know the new pastor yet. They still knew me. So she, so she called and said, would you mind talking to Trevor? He thinks he wants to become a Christian and he wants to be baptized. And I don't know what to tell him. Will you talk with him? And so, just out of the blue, I'm driving down the road on the cell phone. I'm saying, how am I going to convey this to a kindergartner, first grader? He was right in there. How am I going to convey what it means to be baptized, to believe in Christ? How am I going to convey that to a child? And I really think, I hope the Holy Spirit helped me out there. Because seminary words fail you at that point, I promise. I got on the phone with Trevor and we talked a little bit. And I said, well, if, if I come back and baptize you, here's what I want to know. Are you willing to live like Christ? And I heard his voice on the other end of the line, yes. Are you willing to love like Christ? He said, yes. To me, that's repentance. Are we willing to turn from who we've been in favor of living like Christ and loving like Christ. That is our call. And so this morning I, I invite you to remember your baptism. And as believers, let's once again embrace this notion of repentance as an invitation Christ invites you to turn from loveless ways to loving ways. Amen. Will you please stand for our invitation? The altar is open for prayer. For any need at all that you have, maybe I have discovered in my life sometimes I need God's help in loving certain people. And God never fails to help in that, in that request. Uh, but whatever it is that God may put on your heart today, if you'd like to spend time in prayer, I invite you to come. If I can pray with you, I would be most honored. Will you come as we sing?